Hello and welcome back to the Stadio Podcast on Ringer FC. I'm Mr. Kwonga. Free Woj. <laughs> and there's Ryan. There's Ryan Hun. Ryan, how are you doing? I'm all right, man. How are you? Revolutionary mood. You're in revolutionary mood. <laughs> Woj um, really didn't want to go to Florida. <laughs> yeah, so, so for those who are unaware, one of the leading writers for ESPN, Adrian Wojnarowski, was copied on an email from a group of senior US politicians who were basically talking about the kinds of slogans that NBA players should wear on their jerseys in criticism of China. And he basically replied saying, well, with fairly salty language. Say it, say it. No, I I don't do that. Say it. So he swore at the US Senator and as a result was suspended from ESPN, a previous employer of mine. So solidarity with Woj because it's never nice to be suspended. Yeah. So how have you been apart from supporting your your friend in arms, Woj? I've never met Woj. I follow him on Twitter like the billions of other people. He's kind of like a David Ornstein of... Yeah, basically Ornstein is like Woj, but for football. How was your weekend anyway? Uh, my weekend was very good. My weekend was very good indeed. I spent a lot of time with Fabian. Shout out to Fabian, a former teammate of mine who played for the Unicorns uh, down the road. I then got a bit of writing done, which was good. Um, and then I watched quite a lot of football, which was also nice. good. Well, actually, no, the football wasn't that good because Juventus did what Juventus always do, but we'll get, we'll get to that in a moment. So many pens. Yeah, true, true. Oh, too many pens. Too many pens. Too many pens. We need some more goals in here. We need <laughs> We're so esoteric today. Oh my God. Sorry for all these left references. Okay, just before we get going, some admin. So we didn't win the British Podcast Awards Listener's Choice Award. And that's on me. I obviously didn't push my agenda hard enough. <laughs> I'm not cut out for, for such propaganda. I just like talking about football with the occasional... I don't know. Weird reference. Thanks to everyone who did vote. Uh, this isn't on you. This is very much on me. And uh, I will obviously have to sit down with the board and the chairman and assess my future at the stadio because of this. <laughs> <laughs> but hey, it was fun. It was fun. While, you know, we tried our best and, you know, it's just maybe with a few more signings and a bit more depth next season, we can grow the podcast. <laughs> Maybe the brand, maybe the brand's not big enough yet, but it's all good. We persevere. Hey, it's all good. It's all good. Another bit of admin. We did our first stadio session since we moved the podcast to the ringer last Friday. It was a two hour soul session. Well, soul and disco with bits of football commentary in between. It was the first stadio sessions we've done for a couple of months. It was super fun. So thanks to everyone who tuned in. If you want to listen back to it, it's on mixlr.com forward slash stadio and you'll find the show reel. You can listen to all of the past ones. It's got the track list in. We went into extra time as well. So it was like two hours and 20 minutes or something. Any more admin? Oh yeah, stadio.bandcamp.com. If you want to buy the theme music, please go and buy it. It's available for three euros or pay what you like. And we're donating all the money, all of the info's on there. And I think that's all the, is that all the admin? I think that's what it is so far. Yeah. 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 All right. Football. Well, courtroom football. Is there that much to say on this? Maybe, maybe not. Well, so, we did a podcast on it in February Yeah, when UEFA initially implemented the ban and the fine. Yeah. So just to recap, UEFA 
banned Manchester City from European competition for two years. And they also issued a fine of, was it 30 million euros for breach of the financial fair play regulations, which were brought in, and this is the crucial point, they were brought in to stop clubs spending by their means and thereby falling into financial peril. So the main objective of these regulations was to stop clubs basically going in default, which I think is an issue which is in sharp relief with the pandemic and so on. We see that clubs have been endangered just because their cash flow isn't what it is. And the Premier League actually in particular has had a debt problem for a long time. I think there was an amazing stat a few years ago that um, something like 50% of the Premier League's clubs are responsible for like a huge percentage of like the entire debt of all of Europe. Like it was just unbelievable stat. So that's the context in which the rules are created. And um, Manchester City were found by UEFA to have breached these rules by overspending because they spent a lot of money. Um, and the way it works is you've got to spend within your means over the course of three years, for a period of three years. You've all, if you spend a lot of money in year one, you've got to make it up by year three in income. And City were found to have breached that by UEFA. And the verdict, the Court for Arbitration of Sport, was basically released this morning and that verdict was overturned. Shall I read the media release that the yeah, sure, sure. Uh, Court of Arbitration for Sport put out? So they said that Manchester City did not disguise equity funding as sponsorship contributions, but did fail to cooperate with the UEFA authorities. So the CAS decision, exclusion from participation in UEFA club competitions, lifted, fine maintained, but reduced to 10 million euros. So the long and the short of it is that initially Manchester City were found guilty of disguising basically just sugar daddying as sponsorship deals. Some of it is, what's the word? Is it time barred? I think the term they use where basically it could have happened, but the amount of time that's gone is too long for them to find them guilty of it. What they're suggesting is that Manchester City aren't innocent here. There just isn't enough sufficient evidence that they can legally uphold the ban in their view. Yeah. Which is not a massively left field decision. I don't think, because to ban a club like Manchester City now for two years from European competition is kind of unprecedented, right? Yeah, it would have been a bold thing to do. And no one expected it to happen. I mean, no one that I know expected it to happen. Yeah. I mean, I, I, th- I thought maybe it might go to one year, but I think that one year was probably the most that people would have expected. Whilst financial fair play, I think, came from a good place, weirdly, mm. and it has done a lot of good, I think it has checked a certain amount of clubs and stopped them from going completely wild on, on expenditure. However, as time's going on, I mean, it's been here, what, over a decade now? Right. It's now cemented those people at the very top with the highest amount of revenues because clubs with smaller revenues, with FFP, they're never going to be able to get to the point where they can properly contend over a sustained period because they just can't generate the revenue. I think what it has done is that it's, it's another, I don't want to sound dramatic, but it's, it's like another nail in the FFP coffin. Now you have to kind of question why it's there. Its initial goal has been fulfilled to a certain degree. However, when clubs do violate the rules, there is very little fallout. Yeah, I think that, I mean, how, how do you make clubs compete on a level playing field? I mean, you don't for a start because clubs have fan bases of different sizes. Um, you'll never have a Heidenheim competing on the scale of a of a Schalke. This won't happen because one club. I mean, you might do soon. You never know. <laughs> well, actually, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, but in terms of like you know fan bases and so I just think that 
you know, maybe there are different ways um, they've been discussed as well, different ways to get clubs higher up the pyramid. And I suppose the only thing I would say at this point is I'm just relieved that a lot of these clubs are still going. I'm like stepping mm. back from it all. Like, no, no one I know expected any kind of ban to be upheld. And even, even the comment on the kind of the size of the fine that City receive, you know, like 10 million would really, really hurt a different club who'd fallen foul of financial fair play. So even the size of the fine, I'm not necessarily criticising because like 10 million would really hurt, for example, a Sheffield United. And that would be a fine on top of a ban from competition. to be like a double penalty, really. So I'm not even that exercised about the size of the fine that people have been criticising. I just think, yeah, like, I wonder that what it's there for in a way. And even the kind of legal decision about how these claims weren't filed in time it was five years, so they're in breach. I just thought, well, that, that seems a bit wishy-washy. Like, you know, I, I studied law and there's like a six-year period on breaches relating to contract, like six years. So five years is even quite short. So even that is a quite light restriction. Um, so yeah, I don't know. I just, to me, I wasn't expecting any different. I don't know that was. And the issue of, you know, City, and it's not just about City, like City and Manchester United, the issue of Manchester United and City's financial dominance of football and Barcelona, that's a separate issue. I'm not sure how you address that, mm. to be honest. But a lot of those clubs will simply say, yeah, but we're just better commercial and we've got bigger fan bases and that's why we're as big as we are. But no one can argue that this continued dominance is good for football. Like I had a moment when I was watching Atalanta and Juventus just thinking, it is ridiculous how much depth these clubs have. And it's amazing that Atalanta are even competing. I was reading this great piece by James Horncastle on Atalanta on The Athletic. It's a great, great piece. He's interviewing, I think, Martin Darun. And the guy goes, someone says, oh, like Atalanta should be competing for the title. And he said, we've got the 13th, yeah. 13th highest salary base. Yeah. 13th in Serie A. Like we shouldn't even, this shouldn't even be here. It shouldn't be happening. Mm. Juventus should be winning by default, which they are. And they didn't have it decent chance apart from the two penalties. They didn't have it. Juventus didn't generate anything from open play apart from Dybala hitting it wide. It's incredible that it's even that close in Serie A. Mm. I don't know what we do about the financial dominance, but FFP isn't the way. And maybe it was never intended. Well, this is the thing. It was never intended to be the way. I, I think basically the issue is bigger than Manchester City. It's bigger than FFP and it's actually bigger than UEFA. What we're seeing now are multiple examples of football's inability to check itself early enough. Right, yeah. And the problem is that when it gets to this point, it's really hard to fix. You're seeing it with the Bundesliga, prime example, Bayern's sustained dominance, the first time they've ever won that many in a row. Juventus, their dominance, a certain amount of clubs within the Premier League, PSG in France, Barcelona and Real Madrid in Spain. Yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't, if I'm being honest, man, I don't really have a, a massively hot take about this. I just think, again, I think it's just a real shame. I think it's mm. a shame that we're in a position that football is... Uh, I don't want to sound super down on this, but I just kind of, I kind of worry where, where next? Because, and that was literally the, the, the name of our podcast that we did on Man City that time is called What Next? This case has raised more questions. It doesn't feel like the end. You know, this isn't a case closed anymore, actually it's going to kickstart a chain of events that I think could potentially cause quite seismic events through European football over the next few years. I wonder how soon we get a Super League. Only because if I look at like Juventus and Bayern winning, 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 I look at Spain 
you know, Barca, Real, virtually divided between themselves each season. I just wonder if and when we get that breakaway, if in the next 10 years we see it. It's kind of embarrassing for UEFA as well. What does that do to their power? Yeah, massively. I mean, you could you could tell in their statement when they said, you know, we will be making no further statements on it, that I think this is this is really going to shit them up. But again, I have I don't have any sympathy for UEFA because they've allowed this to happen. The way that they've made changes to European football, the way that they've made changes to the Champions League, the way that they've dicked around, got rid of the Cup Winners' Cup, expanded the Europa League, well, rebranded the UEFA Cup to the Europa League. This is on them as well. And this is what I was saying before about how this isn't just something that's happened in the last six months. This has been something that has been building and building and building, which is why I find it very difficult to nail down an absolute stance on it in a way, because there are multiple points down the road where something could have been put in place that could have uh, changed the course of European football history. Turning no the one Champions wanted it because League. of greed, Musa. It's greed, ultimately. Yep. The thing underneath it is greed. Turning the Champions League into the golden goose with the places for the top four, which I didn't like at the time because you could see that was going to lead, but they immediately devalued the worth of domestic competitions. Mm-hmm. It gave everyone these skewed incentives. You take away the knockout of the, of the European Cup and turn it to group stages. You know, you turn the Champions League into a golden goose. That was the problem. Mm. Really, if we're going to be honest about it, at one point the Champions League was so greedy, you had two straight group stages and that was just too many. Everyone complained of fixture pile up and they took it back to like one group stage, then knockout. So they really tried to squeeze it for as much as they could. And, you know, if you turn something to a golden goose, it attracts big capital. It attracts sovereign, you know, sovereign states. It's just what happens. And if you create something like that and it falls out of your control, they're trying to claw it back with these regulations. Well, I don't know, guys. You could have seen this coming and people warned them. People always warn them. There's never a shortage. Not to draw too many political analogies, but the people howling on social media about, oh, I can't believe this politician behaved like this. And I'm like, yeah, you should have known because the last 40 years of their existence has shown you exactly what was coming. And the last however many years the Champions League has shown exactly what was coming. None of this is new. Yeah, I think we've covered this before. I think we might have even done it on that podcast, but like you say, the expansion of the Champions League. I think the key thing for sporting competition is variety. All of this has led to domestic dominance on the whole and European dominance in terms of a select group of clubs. And it's going to be really hard to undo now. And I I do wonder if actually it's a complete kind of contradiction, almost maybe the best thing for sporting competition within European football now is just to completely take the financial restrictions off and just let people go wild. The only reason I disagree with that is it's a bit like getting rid of rent controls in a city. Yeah, I agree. But that's kind of my point, right? It's kind of how bad has it got to get before you actually think, well, maybe just let people do what they want. Because they'll always go to the wall. Yeah. I know what you mean, but the problem is this. The problem is that if you raise standards like that, then everything becomes too expensive. Like, for example, like you have tournaments all over the world, for example, because everything's unregulated now. Mm. And then clubs can't afford to travel to games. They can't afford like the squad depth they need to cover mm. all the fixtures. Do you know what I mean? I know what you mean. It's always tempting to be like, let's take all the shackles off. But those organisations that enjoy those inequalities, those benefits as inequalities. They're just going to exploit them more. Yeah, they will. They will. I mean, there, there, there are things, there are things we can, we'll probably stop there, but there are things that can be done. Mm. And we're always open to 
I mean, we get loads of stuff anyway. We always get something great reading about this stuff. The things that can be done, but they require, I think it's a governmental level now, unfortunately. Like it's actually, it's almost too big for football to fix by itself. Yeah. I mean, when you have the, <laughs> the governing body punishing aside for seemingly massive violation and then cast turning it over, it's going to be problematic. Yeah. All right. Uh, let's maybe take a break there. Let's do it. Don't forget, if you want to check this episode in full and all of the other Stadio episodes in full, go to the Ringer FC Spotify feed. There's a link in the description of your podcast app. Say hi, Musa. How's it going? <laughs> <laughs>